Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, my friend Russell and I are going to be talking about Marvel Comics' Luminary series, Ultimate Spider-Man, by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. This episode is going to be going over the Ultimate Spider-Man issues number 1 through 13. This is easily one of the best superhero comics of all time, so by all means, check this book out. Just a warning, we are going to go into full and complete spoilers for Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1. And remember to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Cameron Reads Comics. And make sure to clobber the like and subscribe buttons as well as leave me a 5-star rating interview on iTunes. High school, puberty, first dances, there are many pitfalls to being young. Compound these with intense personal tragedy and superhuman powers, and you can start to visualize the world of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Following the murder of his uncle and the Green Goblin's assault on his high school, Peter finds himself on the brink of manhood, getting a job at the Daily Bugle to help support his widowed aunt and taking on extracurricular activities such as bringing down the kingpin, the head of organized crime in New York City. Hi, Russell, and welcome back to Cameron Reads Comics. That was our fourth try at the intro, and I'm going to leave this cut in, just so people know that we are not perfect here. True. I'm feeling a lot of pressure to give a good response, so we don't have to do this again. (laughs) Oh, man. First time, it was my fault. Second and third time were also my fault. So now here we are. Okay, we're imperfect. We're here, and we're talking about Spider-Man. So, Russell, we read this week Ultimate Spider-Man. We read two different collections, but that's we read the same issues. So you read issues one through 13. I read issues one through 13 of ultimate Spider-Man. So you had questions for me before we even kind of get into, wait, what does that even mean? We read two different collections. So I read this digitally and I have the omnibus format. You have the ultimate collection trade paperback editions. It's just the, we read the same panels, the same issues. Yeah. The same issues. It's just two different formats. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So, but you had some questions going in. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like, one of the first things that we've talked about or you've had me read and we've done a podcast on where it's like a, it feels mainstream. Like I read this and I'm like, I yeah. know this story. This is this is blockbuster heavy hitter comic books. Yeah. So like I guess my first question is what, where does this fall in like the Spider-Man like continuity and yeah. Universe. And fame maybe. Of yes. The, yes stories oh, great great question um so you're okay yes you read ultimate spider-man in like the year 2000 i think this might be 2001 marvel rebooted their entire franchise and it wasn't like rebooted but they made a separate universe because going into comic books there is different types of you know there's 80 years of continuity whatever at that point it was 60 years of continuity with spider-man and um They were just like, wow, let's try and reboot this universe and see what it would be like if these heroes had been created in the year 2000. So when these was being written, what would Peter Parker be like if, you know, 
you know, he didn't get bit by the spider in 1963. He got bit by the spider in 2001. And so okay. it's it's a re- it's a reboot new origin, but kind of a modern retelling. And they do this all the time. And so this is Bendis and Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley creating their own Spider-Man universe continuity. And then where does this rank amongst that is some some people tell you, I will tell you, this is one of my favorite comic books of all time. This is one of the comics that got me into comic books because as a young child, you know, they were pushing this for new generations to get into these characters. Uh, and then they, they made it universe-wide. So this is Ultimate Spider-Man, but there's Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four. There's the Ultimates, which is what they called the Avengers mm-hmm. at the time. And that is pretty much the framework for Avengers number one. And so, yeah, that's kind of what was going on yeah, here. I see. That makes a lot of sense. So then this is a story that has been told yeah. a time before in a different decade. And now this is being told in the 21st century. That's exactly. what's happening. Exactly. And so, like, it says for the first six-issue arc, I think, which is Power and Responsibility, um, it's inspired by Amazing Fantasy 15. That's Spider-Man's first appearance. Oh, yes. Written by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. What they told in a couple panels, Bendis tells in a six-issue arc. Okay. Yes. So that was that was the one thing I was trying to find the question of when it says, like, based on yes. wh- Stan Lee and whoever. Steve Ditko, not whoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. There's, I got you, There's Russ. too many names, man. I'm messing with you. Like, you know all the names, so I'm just going to yield the names I, to you. Baby boy, got your <laughs> names right here. <laughs> but yes. Okay, so then that makes... That makes a lot of sense because yeah. I was reading it and I'm like, is this a cover song? Like what's going on? You know, <laughs> it, it, for, you know, it, it kind of is, but, um, I think that also for this story in particular, like it's, you know, cause you, they, by the time this was being published, they were on issue like 500 of Spider-Man and you can't, you can't just hand a new reader. Here's issue 500 and just go for it. Like, it, right. Yes. S- some issues you can, not this. And like this you know, it's funny because it's one of the big two publishers, but it's a re- it's a reboot, it's a revamp of the character, and so like you didn't need to know anything about Spider Man before you picked this up. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think that's even maybe we've talked about this in the past, but that was like one of the things when you're like, Russell, you should read comic books. Like, oh, I feel like there's way too much context that I don't know about, and so this was really nice because it's like, oh, you know, if you've it's like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, but different for sure. But yeah, like I I get it. I get what's going on here. Origin story. We're starting at the starting at the start here. Yeah, and like and you know what's funny too is like this is one of I remember because they were publishing this this series went on forever and like it's the I'd argue the most successful of the Ultimate line. I I don't think that's a very hot take. Um, and this is like. They went on, and this is that for this team in particular. This is the longest run in comic book history. I think Mark Bagley and Bendis, without a break, did like 100, I think it might be 111 issues or something, 109 issues sequentially. And that is the longest comic book run of a creative team of all time. Has yet to be broken. Okay. So then, so I'm reading issues one through 13 of what is like 109? 100, uh, more like 100. 50 like okay. this literally this story keeps going on and then it's in this universe that they introduce miles morales i see okay nice that was like a question that i sort of didn't know i had but i have answered now so there, that yeah there's a lot more and let me tell you like for for favorite moments when it comes to like comic books like you know when, when oh, i'm sorry when it comes to reading bo- issues and when it comes to like reading comics uh and being on the podcast you know, I'm like, what's your favorite moment of this one five-issue series? 
in these 13 issues, there's just so many stacks of like favorite moments that I have because this is just one of the truest representations of the entire character and and every character that's really kind of represented like Aunt May, I think is the perfect Aunt May. And like, I think they gave us a lot of time with Uncle Ben that to, to really understand his role. Uh, And then obviously, you know, the Uncle Ben story, Uh, but actually before we're here, let's just get into the book. But before we get into the book, actually, I want to know what what has been your relationship with Spider Man thus far. Like, well, with comics, it's zero, right? But, so, <laughs> but even you know, he's a pop culture icon. Yeah. So I mean, I've I've seen Spider Man, Tobey Maguire one and two. I've seen. You did not see three. I, I've just seen that one scene where he dances, <laughs> and uh, that was enough for me to say eh, it's it's okay. That's pretty much the movie right there. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the Andrew Garfield. First one only. Did not see the second one. Uh, <laughs> That's like, okay, here's my hot take for my fans. I love the second movie. I rank it in my top. Like, there's actually a lot of Spider-Man movies when you think about it. That is in my, like, top threes. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I actually, have, I had nothing against Amazing Spider-Man 1. I don't actually know why I didn't see Amazing Spider-Man 2. Because the reviews were really bad. Oh, well, maybe that's why. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, have you, have you ever seen... This is just a side note. Have yeah. you ever seen that video where it's just in Amazing Spider-Man 1, it's just all the takes of Andrew Garfield stuttering? No. It's like two minutes long. It's crazy. I love Like Andrew that Garfield. made the movie. But I mean, it makes sense for the character, I guess. And he had an accent. So, oh, wait. Oh, no. You're thinking of him stuttering. Okay. Like the clips of Peter Parker within those movies. Yeah. So he's just like, hey, well, hey, hey do you want to uh, go on a date? Like yeah. that. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's, but I like that movie. And then, um, obviously I've seen, I've seen all the movies that Tom Holland is in within the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I like the iteration the best just in movies. I obviously don't have a ton of contact context. Um, but I, I don't know. I really love homecoming. I really love from far from home too. Mm -hmm. And I like the intro and civil war. I love it all. So yeah, I actually like do have it. Yeah. I mean, Homecoming is maybe my favorite movie in the Marvel Mine Cinematic too. Universe. So. Like, okay, so there's 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 categories for me when it comes to Marvel Cinematic Universe because you can't just get one and be like, this is the GOAT. Um, but when it comes to like solo superhero origin stories, Homecoming is my That's absolute so favorite. Good. It's yeah. like, and, and I just mean like for a, for a character that is as dearly held as Peter Parker is to, you know, generations of fans i i think batman's the most popular superhero but i think spider-man is just like right under that and Mm -hmm. then superman under spider-man those are like for for favorite superheroes most popular they think that's my my scale um and you know there were and i don't i don't mean i don't want to be mean or whatever but i think in in some of the steps that sony took in their own franchises there were missteps and misrepresentations of like who people think peter parker is i think that Tom Holland is the, and especially in those movies, is the perfect representation. You know, I'm like, I'm like beat for beat. And so that actually goes to my next question is, do you see the influence of this series in Tom Holland? Because this is actually the source material pretty much they were basing it on. Well, I, I think, well, absolutely. Like, I think the thing that I, well, the thing that I noticed in this when I was reading it, and then obviously you can see in Homecoming that I think is much uh better for lack of another word mm-hmm. than maybe the previous franchises yeah, yeah. takes they're just was, different yeah, yeah what, but i loved how they lean into the teenagerness you yeah. know like in when i'm reading this 
it's like the it, there's so many parts that are so sort of awkward um and yeah. like you cringe a little bit um but in a but in like not like a it's a bad way it's more of like a, it's a, they nailed it this is high school yeah, yeah this is high school feels like cringing a lot you know and so there's something that i i really love about that when i read that and mm-hmm. i think that's something that i really like about um like homecoming and and that story is that Tom Holland feels so much more like a high school student than the other previous movies. Yeah. And I love that. You know, it's like, I believe him. He looks younger. He acts younger, you know. And so, um, but that was, that was like the main part that, that when I was reading just stuck out to me. Yeah. Obviously, there's other things as well. And then I'm like also noticing in my head, where's Ned, you know. <laughs> Ned's declassified. <laughs> no, or, uh, oh, Ned, Ned. Leeds. <laughs> oh, he is. Well, that's a Miles Morales character. That's what's crazy. Oh, uh, okay. So they they're mixing and matching a little bit. I would gladly like, oh man, Russell, if you want to do a series on this, because in, you know, I usually sometimes comic series, like, you know, they go down, you know what I mean? The first intro is really great and they kind of just like progressively get worse. This is not one of those series. And I mean it like hit for hit, like every, you know, I've, I've read and I can't say this about a lot of series, but I've read this pretty much until the end. There's some weird reboot stuff that was happening because it just went on for so many years. Mm -hmm. But like I've read, you know, at issue 100, they do because he he pretty much adapts really famous Spider-Man storylines, and he kind of fleshes them out and may, you know makes them again puts them in the modern context, puts a twist on them. Um, and so he did Clone Saga, which is one of the most notoriously bad Spider-Man stories. It, it it took up publishing history for a year, spanned across all these titles in the 90s, and it was just so divisive among fans on whether or not it was actually good. Um, so he did that. Bendis was like, we're going to do clone saga for issue 100. And everyone's like, no, don't do it. And for me, that's like one of my favorites. I think top, top two Spider-Man stories of all time. I, I don't know if I could put it number one. Cause I got to think about it. But like, again, he just adapts these things and he eventually leads into, uh, spoilers for a series. That's like, I don't know, 2000, two, it was like 2012. So it's old. It's 10 years old now. You think about it, but he, he eventually killed Peter Parker and that's when Miles Morales comes and he, he uses that leverage. And then Ned isn't Ned. It's actually his best friend, Genki. Okay. And he's like literally just like playing with Lego star Wars and being, yeah. and they're 14 and dweebs. And it's just that's so awesome. true to the character. And so do you remember actually one of the, my notes I had was you and I would, we were volunteering at the church together, but I would show you when the Miles Morales trailers were coming out. And I was like, oh my gosh, Russell, this is going to be so good. For like uh, the the animated Spider-Man. Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, sort of, not really. Okay, well that hurts me, but you know. <laughs> You're like, uh, sort of, but no. I mean, not that, I I mean, I obviously love that, that movie a lot. Apparently it meant more to hey, me. Hey, you know what song's <laughs> never going to die? What? Sunflower. Post oh my. Malone Sway Lee. In was- my mind... That song lives on forever. That song is so catchy. So <laughs> catchy, right? Absolutely. Um, okay, so before we get into the context, it's been 15 minutes or whatever. But um, one last thing, though, I want to hit on is you've read a lot of indie comics, and now we are really, this is your first foray, and I think this is just, it's blockbuster, it's superhero, it's action-packed, kind of tr- traditional bread-and-butter comics. Um, how did this compare? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's, there's an immediate sense of like, when, when you, when I'm reading why the last man or saga or something, there's such a newness to that, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm opening that first page and I have no clue 
Whereas this, I'm opening the first page and I have some clue, you know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know that I know the gist of where this is probably yeah. going. Uh, and so, but that also makes me like, it felt very edifying reading this as opposed Ooh, to like an indie what comic. What a word. Um, because it's like, yeah, well, I just felt like, oh, I'm reading something that's, that I know is sort of like important. Like, you know, like the, the movies are all sort of based off this arc and I'm reading some iteration of that. And so I know that this is like an important comic in yeah. the big, the realm of, you know, whatever comics and Spider-Man. Yeah. And so like that, that felt sort of good and different than something like why or saga where it's like, this is something new and it's revered for being um, new. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, Spider-Man, this is something traditional and it's revered for being like one of the, you know, greatest stories in the tradition, you know, it's mm -hmm. like kind of that trade off between um, a story of tradition versus a story that's just out of creation. Um, so that felt very different. Like I was reading from a different perspective almost in that sense. And I really liked that. Like I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I mean, as far as content, it felt like, uh, it felt much more appropriate <laughs> throughout than maybe some of those indie <laughs> comics. Oh, there was no dragon palatioing <laughs> itself. <laughs> no, there wasn't surprisingly, you know, just read on, man. We've got a hundred issues. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but I like that, you know, it's like, it feels like in some sense, you know, it's a PG 13 thing, you know, it's not, it, it, there are rules to the story yeah. and, and I like that, you know? And, you know, I think one of my favorite things about this medium and just the, the potential for creativity within, within, uh, those boundaries is just how, how they show their creativity, you know? Cause I'm like, it didn't feel any, you didn't need, I guess, for lack of a better word, kind of like grotesque, you know, storytelling devices in order to, uh, you know, show humanity within the story because I think Saga kind of leans into that maybe a little too heavily or something, but like for something like this, it's, it's pimples and it's uncomfortable conversations. Like I, I just finished it today for the issue 13 and the, the entire arc of Aunt May trying to like, Peter, no, no hanky panky in the yeah, room with dude. MJ. And it's like, it's like, Aunt May, we're, we're both fully clothed, but it's like, that's awkward, but it's, everyone's been there, you know? Uh, yeah. That, I like that. I particularly like the hanky panky phrase. Like I feel like that's for sure what Aunt May would refer. That that's her word there, hanky panky. Oh, she is so funny. Fan. Okay, I also wanted to give you like I I think we read more issues in this one than we have in previous volumes. Like you just came back for Snagglepuss a couple months ago, but this one is like very much. It's thirteen issues because it's a couple arcs. I didn't want to just give you you know the first origin story and then to ask what you think. I wanted to give you a little more context into his narration, and I think. The beat, the ending on issue 13 with a confession issue was very, I, I really wanted to make sure we hit that because I think it's a very important issue. It's very different too. Um, but before we get into those arcs, um, Bendis has a very specific way of writing dialogue. He's very much like, a, it's call and response and even the way he lays out the panels. How did you feel about that? Because it's, I, I at the time especially, it was very untraditional. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, well, I will say at least at times the panels are a little confusing. Oh, really? Because sometimes it's like, sometimes it's the traditional left side, right side. But then sometimes it's like both pages, both page you spread. have to just read. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that, like the first time that caught me off guard a lot. 
and then it's like oh i gotta be looking out for if the panel's going on the next page yeah um but in terms of the dialogue um i think for the most part that that wasn't like something that i noticed necessarily as being something like super unusual like it felt fairly natural to me so maybe that like that was just it, it was a natural thing i don't know i i also don't have a lot of context to know that that's something different than what was happening i don't know just compared to what you what, what you're what you've read before mm-hmm. you know i think that i just think he, the way he sets up his pages too and and just you know i'm sure you notice in the confession issue there's multiple times he just uses like the same panel a couple ways over you know what mm-hmm. i mean like when he's like Peter's like i need to tell you something and mj's like what and he's like I need you to trust me. And she's like, I trust you, but also, okay. And he says, you need to promise. And she is, she has the same facial expression like right, over yes. and over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now that's fairly modern. Mm-hmm. But back then I, I, it was pretty innovative. And you know what I mean? Like, cause it shows like awkwardness or it shows like, you know, that's kind of how regular dialogue works, you know? So right. it, it just face to face interactions. And so I just think that it was kind of experimental, but it's very, it was, it's adapted now, but it was very exclusive to Bendis in this series. And I think it really kind of nails one of those modern, again, modern times. Like you couldn't have done that in the sixties. People wouldn't have known how to read that. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and I think even within that, that's like, yeah, for the most part dialogue, you're not making a ton of new faces. You yeah. Know, it's just, you're just talking. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, okay. So for the, for the first arc, we did power and responsibility. It was an origin story. Um, how did you feel? Okay, I'm gonna. I want. I just want to ask you about a few characters. Um, how did you feel about Norman Osborn? Like he was one of our first intros. Do you know who that is? Well, I feel like you can kind of now know who it is, but uh, the Green Goblin. Yes, he was the Green Goblin, <laughs> but they didn't introduce him as that. Obviously, first it was, he was just Norman. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, like in this? Like, yeah, in the, oh, in the book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like he becomes the Green Goblin. Yeah, yes. but like, how did you feel? Like. Because, I mean, the the direction that he went, I think it was really important that they showed. Number one, he wasn't a good person. But number two, on top of that, he's very menacing and, like, methodical in his thinking. Which is, he's like, oh, we're going to investigate that boy. Oh, I need you to kill him. And then when he's, when when the assassin failed at killing him, he was like, okay, well. He's like, do you want me to try again? He's like, no. I want you to keep an eye on that kid, you know? And Right, yeah, because he realizes that, that if he couldn't successfully kill him it's like well then there's something something's going on here i want to figure out what it is yeah Yeah, i i mean i did really um i liked i liked the part where he's like he he really doesn't have a sense of like a moral compass at all it's just like what am i trying to get at it's like sort of sociopathic in a way oh yeah um and you can like especially see that um with you know his conversations with his son that it seems like Oh yeah, you don't even really care about your son at all either. So yeah, um, I I like that because there's some weird. Uh, it sets up for a weird sense of like sympathy you have, not for Norman but for Harry. Oh yeah, where you're like, I hate that guy, but I sort of want him to be okay because I like the other guys. I like Harry a little bit, you know. Yeah. But then even then, you're like, but Harry's not perfect either and so it's like kind of this complicating sort of web of characters in their relationship Ooh, nice spider-man oh pun. wow that was actually <laughs> unintentional believe it or not that's oh no i'm like uh-oh guys <laughs> uh-oh here it comes i'm like i was prepping all my spider puns all last night so norman is weaving a web of deceit <laughs> but um 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I just think that, ooh, I love Norman Osborn. And also, like, did you notice that, like, they were tying in multiple origin stories within this, too. Did you see who his partner was? Like, one of his yes, scientists? I did. Dr. Octavius. Doctor Doc Doc Ock. Doc Ock, my man. <laughs> oh, we got a Spider-Man expert in the house right now. But I watched Spider-Man 2, remember? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um Otto Octavius, like I, I love that. And you know, when you kind of had because it's not like Stan Lee and, and Steve Ditko really had like a roadmap where they're going. Like, yes, I guess in broad scheme they were, but they were just like, Okay, here's new month, new villain. Right. But seeing the time and thought that could have gone into this, I really loved. And then you also see Octavius is not a good guy either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm not going to consensually ask you if I can take your blood right now. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so uh, I was – did you like that? Did you see it was did, – did it make – it's almost an Easter egg because did it make you feel like super cool to know kind of, oh, there's stuff that's going to happen there? Yes. I mean, it, so it sort of catches me off guard because like I honestly – you know you have when you aside me my reading for, <laughs> it's like you know what i'm about to read but personally i read it and i'm like oh there's doc Ock. i know who this is he's gonna be a villain really soon right because i don't know how long this is gonna be and so Issue then 99 yeah ex- <laughs> well exactly it's like i don't actually have like a scope for how long this thing's gonna go yeah and so it's like sort of like oh here's doc Ock, and we're not gonna talk about him for actually the rest of what i'm reading here yeah you know and so it's like I think in hindsight, I appreciate that a lot because it's like, oh, yeah, like there's there is actually, you know, I mean, even with the whole Green Goblin thing, there's no um, finish yet. You know, there's a nice like roadmap, you know. Yeah. Um, so I do like that. And I liked just the little I mean, I mean, that's pretty good storytelling. I think here's here's a person. And remember that guy because we'll come back, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. yeah. And. There, there, there's just a lot of potential and especially if you know that and that's kind of I think what the MCU has done so so well it's like you know we got we got uh, and this isn't, this isn't a good example but like we got like Black Panther we got Prince of Wakanda or we got hints of Wakanda in Avengers Age of Ultron they're like oh Wakanda exists and then it's like oh, yeah. we're like oh whoa wow wow and then we we see it in Civil War and it's like oh man then we see Black Panther and it's like wow like what's going on here and so I think that it's smart and it's methodical and it's it, it's intentional. They have a place they're going and they're not going to take you there quite yet, but they're going to sprinkle little pieces in. And that's something I love about the series because mm-hmm. if you have the same creative team over it, they know how to get there. You know what I mean? And they can take their time. And that's one of the, the best parts of a series like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cool having characters that are already part of the tradition that you can just say a name and everyone's like, oh, we know. And it's like, ha, I'm not talking about them right now, though. We'll come back. You That's know, like, exactly yeah. it. And like, you know, even for for when he breaks into the kingpin right. um, yeah. uh, place, the the chick on the DVD, like introing that. That's mm-hmm. Patsy Walker. You may not have known this. I wouldn't imagine. She's Hellcat, which is like, uh, it's, it's it's a cool nod oh, okay. to other things that yeah. are going on. That's really as much as I had to say about that. But like, didn't that's know a, that one. But that, yeah, it's with the same thing, right? It's yeah. like, here's one little scene where there's a person who I didn't know who that was, but that, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just like, why are they giving so much time to this tutorial? <laughs> well, I, I, that's but funny. now I understand. It's because Hellcat. <laughs> I'm like, she has an origin story in here. Just kidding. Or at least maybe in the later hundreds, because I didn't read those. But anyways, um, so what'd you think? Okay, so there's Norman Osborn. How do you feel about Peter Parker, our protagonist? Like, his narrations, I think, were so, like, visceral and, like, so 
teenage. You know what I mean? Like, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I I mean, I think I really like the the character. I like that. You know, there there's an element if you like watch the movies where like Peter Parker is supposed to be a nerd, but he's also like just because it's Hollywood, he's like kind of cool. You know, I'm like he's also jacked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I like the nerdiness of this Peter in as I read it. You know, it's like. Yeah, no, that guy's that guy's a nerd. Like, I buy it. Um, <laughs> and there's something really good about that, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did love. I love the the parts where he like does something, and then he's like reflecting on it in his thoughts afterwards, and he's like, "You stink, Peter. You stink." Oh because, my gosh! Yeah, I want to talk about that. Well, I mean, it's it's so that is it's exactly it's like a it's an, a high school student. Like he's just acting sort of on impulse. Like, oh, this is a good idea, and then he's reflecting on how dumb of an idea maybe that was in hindsight yeah i think that's that's good i mean that made a lot of sense it made me like the character a lot more for being sort of impulsive and reckless at times and having to like deal with that like oh wow i'm i can be dumb i need to figure things out um so yeah i really like that sort of um the youthful nerdiness of peter parker um it made him like a believable character and it made it interesting to read like I'm, I'm all for it yeah because he wasn't even the first character we met in the story we met norman and then as we first meet peter he is reading and then he just gets th- like food thrown at him by kong and flash and it's like oh my gosh like what the and you just see they are brutal to him i'm like man this would not slide like these days but obviously it's drama and um or it's it's a comic book it's fiction it's fiction, guys. <laughs> um, I just, I just think that uh, Spider-Man and and Peter, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because he is supposed to be an outsider. He like Peter Parker is not supposed to be glamorous, and the things that like when we lean into Spider-Man, you know, he's a favorite among us, like outsiders looking into his narrative. Mm-hmm. He is not cool, like in the Marvel universe. He is like, and that's what they did with Tom Holland too, which I really love when he's kind of like, when he gives his speech at the Fee Center at the very beginning of Spider-Man Far From Home, mm-hmm. where he's like, right. uh, hi everyone. And nobody really wants to meet him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, people want to meet Iron Man. People want to meet Captain America. Thor's sick. Captain or uh, Hulk is cool. Nobody wants to meet Spider-Man. He's just kind of like, come on guys. Like I'm here to still too, because that's what we can really do the most. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And so they really lean into that. And like, I I loved, uh, let's talk about the origin though. Uncle Ben, uh, mm-hmm. how did you feel about his death and how did that hit you? And kind of that arc, because I think fundamentally that's pretty much the same origin. If, if we're going to go into headcanon, that's my headcanon origin of Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about his death in the way that affected Peter? Or even, or even the way that those events were framed up. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I, I, I mean, obviously, like I'm expecting it to happen when it happens, right? <laughs> Wait, seriously? <laughs> so, but, well, I, it's like one of those things. Where it's like I'm expecting it to happen. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen within this. You know, when it, I don't know why, but I like always, even like watching the movies or whatever. I'm, I, I hate that moment. I hate when uncle ben dies like oh my god it's just you you knew it was coming but it's so like sad i mean Mm -hmm. it you think about like okay here's a kid with an aunt and an uncle who has already experienced tragedy and then his caretaker well like his aunt now think about that like she 
experienced tragedy with uh, either a sibling or a sibling-in-law or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, yeah, his his family. And then, like, here is your husband now, and he's gone. And then, you know, you can just tell there's, like, for a lot of the movies, I know this is true, there's, like, you know, there's just strife now between Peter and Aunt May because of that because they, like, can't really cope with the grief that well. So it leads to a lot of, like, clunkiness like that. It's like, that's just... I don't know. There's something that's like really sort of gut wrenching about that. I don't like that moment mm-hmm. um, because I know that it's going to lead to all sorts of like difficulties and reflecting later on. And it's yeah. just like, ah, oh, that's that's sort of tough. I don't know. Even in the this comic sense, as I'm reading it, and yeah. I know it's coming. It's like I hate that. I just yeah. I, I hate that they like every time like Uncle Ben's like, oh, he's such a good kid. It's like stop oh. saying that. Stop. Just don't give yourself all these redeeming qualities. It's gonna make it sad and. Yeah, so I yeah, I want to apologize by the way I asked that why because I was like, ooh, that's super mean. The way I asked, I'm like, why are you so surprised? You know he's gonna die, but I think I think you're right, and I just wanted more elaboration, and I couldn't articulate that very well. You know how Peter, uh, like Uncle Ben's, like you're as smart as they come. He wouldn't have just said that about me. But, um, yeah, no, I really, really, really like the Uncle Ben story because and especially this one because you know i like that they kind of made him a hippie he had a ponytail and then flash was making fun of it mm-hmm. oh and and the way they kind of shaped up the way they shaped up and this is the panel i sent russell for anyone who's wondering but when because they make it very easy to hate flash thompson which rightfully so we should all hate flash thompson until he becomes venom it's a weird arc i don't know but that's what happened i never read it but he um you know, incessantly bullies Peter and it's really unprecedented and there's no redeeming qualities about flash. Cause in the original stories, flash loves Spider-Man, but he hates Peter. Mm. So Kong was a new character for the series, but, um, flash is flash doesn't even really like Spider-Man and now he hates Peter Parker. And it's like, well, <laughs> we don't like flash. But then when Peter finally steps up to like confront his bully, he like breaks flash's hand and he, cause he catches the piss river and right. squeezes it. And it's like, yeah, Peter do that. And then, this the panel I sent uh, uh, Russ was when they're watching Crusher Hogan and Peter says or Flash is like hey Peter you should get in there and Peter says hey Flash I think you should get in there because maybe if you did your family could sue his family and I was like hell yeah that's yeah. what I needed because I'm like Peter man like he just takes it on the chin so much and I know that's the right right thing to do but we got some of that satisfaction there and it's like seeing him even becoming a pro wrestler to help Uncle Ben you know what I mean to help his family with mm-hmm. some drama that he caused I really liked that arc and that one was definitely something exclusive to this story right yeah you definitely get some of that that angst going on it's like he's especially in that weird time period where he's trying to figure out all like his powers and like what's going on he's like also like sort of like mad and frustrated and, and that kind of just comes out it's sometimes in kind of yeah you're like oh yeah flash you suck but oh, then like oh. other times with his like aunt and uncle too and he sort of just erupts and you're like oh that's not peter you know better like or whatever it is yeah. you know or um and, and so yeah I, I like that kind of angsty side of peter as well yeah and i think it goes back to with the uncle ben stuff what you were saying well we we've talked about this before but you know it's also we we saw an honorable character just like die you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he yeah. like you know not and not to say peter hasn't been upright or he's not doing the best he can but it's like uncle ben who has been consistently a solid moral just character in this arc we see him die 
unceremoniously, you know, when he was just trying to be like, do the right thing. He's like, Hey man, you probably have more money than we do. And that pissed off the robber. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. How did you like the scenes where aunt May and Peter were grieving? Cause the, when I read this, I, this, I've read the story through this arc a bunch of times, but it was when I read, I reread it for the first time a couple of years ago when Peter comes across Mary Jane, you know, after all the drama mm-hmm. and he, he just like looks at her and she's like, are you okay? And then they eventually just like collapse in each other's arms. I cried. Oh yeah. I think that was just one of the most beautiful scenes that depicts their dynamic so perfectly. And I was like, Oh, and then there's the scene with Aunt May who's just like, do you like me? Mm-hmm. she's like you're never here and mm, i just yeah. feel like you don't like me and i'm like oh yeah no those are those are actually like probably two of my if not like when i was reading this probably two of my favorite moments like i i like the mj moment like that that to me is an important moment of mm-hmm. showing that like oh mj like understands and like cares for peter and is here to like grieve with him like that seems very important um for just their relationship and kind of building that. And then, yeah, with the Aunt May, I mean, again, that's like kind of like there's, I, I love the Aunt May moment too of like, it's sort of like, you know, to a certain extent, it's like, hey, don't say that to like the your, I mean, not your child, but sort of your child, you know, like yeah. that's like not the best thing to ask your child. But it's also like, there's something that's great about that dialogue because yeah. it's, it's showing like, the roughness of life in that situation where it's like oh yeah aunt may's like going through it so like yeah she's gonna maybe say things that are like lashing out even at peter at at times or something but like that's because you know she's just lost her maybe only like real like loved one her age yeah exactly um and so I mean, that was one of my one of my favorite moments of her, like saying, do you like me to Peter? Because it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, they, it shows their how much they need each other, you know, and, and it also shows the, the clunkiness, which, again, part of my heart doesn't like to see that because it's like, oh, this is like so tough. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's like sort of a raw beauty underlying that as well. Yeah, it's, it's just so human. And like one of my favorite podcasts, Armchair Expert, is just their tagline is just like it, it they discover the the messiness of being human. I just think that that's must exactly it's not clean cut those moments, but it's like that's because they're so raw, you know? Yeah. It's very it just shows the messiness. Yeah, it reminds me of Lewis saying like that it's like the roughness and density of life. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's it things aren't always just great. <laughs> yeah. Um so okay, next arc. Now we get into so we had that. We had the footnote of Peter and MJ and I was like I cried. It was fine. Um then we get into the the Kingpin arc where it's called Big Time Superhero. And I actually, I am so surprised by how much I like it. They took this very old team, the Enforcers, that was just like, it was in the early, early Spider-Man books. And they're still like relevant, but I don't know. That's always where I just compartmentalize them is very early Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, like Enforcers uh, mm. group. But Spider-Man decides to take on the Kingpin. Who Are, are you familiar with that character? From that animated movie, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, well, that's great. He's notoriously, like, he was started, he be, he is a Spider-Man character. Like, he was debuted in Spider-Man, but I really compartmentalize him as a Daredevil villain. He's just kind of like oh, the, yeah. the crime boss of New York. You know, he is ever, all, all of the underbelly, like, they kind of answer to him. Mm-hmm. And so, 
he and he's a big deal like he's a brick house you know when you look at the dude like he is huge and so spider-man's like oh i'm gonna try and take this on how come you guys have never tried this la 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 and he just says or like he's like oh man he owns the paper you know and spider-man's like i can do this and then he impulsively goes in how did you feel about that arc how'd how'd you feel about that characterization of peter um i think we talked about a little bit too already well, I yeah, I like the again, yeah, it's like kind of the impulsive nature of that. Uh, I like that from Peter. Um, I was a little bit uh, reading that and feeling like there's some context here, not getting who's this Lightning Man. He's probably someone I don't know. <laughs> He's Electro, Jamie Fox in Amazing Spider-Man Two that you haven't seen. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a little bit of like I know that I know that something's happening that's going over my head, but that's okay. Um, I do. I like the um, representation of the Kingpin, though. I like a lot that. I mean, it is very. It, it reminded me of the Into the Spider Verse, how he's like, yeah, crime boss, but also just he's holding these banquets and he's actually like with the, you know, it, it seems like the upper classes of the city, you know, and so like that. That's kind of very interesting. Like he's untouchable, you know. He can kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah, and Peter leaned into that. He's like, "Oh, he does this because he doesn't think anyone can get him." Right. Yeah. They even say yeah, they have that moment. Oh, he thinks he's untouchable. Talking about like the Nixon tapes, that which yeah. I love that moment too. That was awesome. Like just that, uh, I love when people they they can tie into you yeah. know real things and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That those were like my thoughts. I mean, I think it was maybe less geared towards Peter in that moment. It was, it was more geared towards like the villains and trying to figure them out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did did you have like any specific? I just literally like love. I love the fact that you know he doesn't come in and things are perfect because we see that like if we're looking at a DC book, you know, Batman pretty much never makes mistakes. <laughs> you know, he's mm-hmm. he always has the right mystery. Superman isn't. You know, he could punch Kingpin through the wall. But Peter kind of stumbles in, makes a mistake, and he's like, and then the self-narration after that deprecation, I just remember feeling that way in high school. And then even to the point where he's like, I lost my mask. You know, there's nothing worse that can happen to a superhero. I lost my mask. I mean, they took it away and they threw me off a building. And then he catches himself at the dinner party gala where he just like squeak. I'm like, and then the narration after that is like, I suck. I'm the worst. I'm the biggest suck that ever sucked. You know, I'm like, I just, that is so Spider-Man. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. then at simultaneously, he's letting down Mary Jane, who's like the one person he wants to Mm -hmm. see. And it's like, it's when he kind of, the resolution in that story too. Like he leaned into, let me like, why did I try and like go toe to toe, like leaning into my spider power? I was like, I'm smart too. And then he reconciled that by getting the tape and then being able to like kind of get the kingpin in trouble. And that's what I needed. You know, that was just, it was so satisfying. And then I think it was mm-hmm. that same arc right after that. It just ends on the footnote of Mary Jane and him like revealing their secret, him revealing mm-hmm. a secret. And one of the really important parts about that story too, and we can get into that next, but that's one of the, only Spider-Man comics where Spider-Man does not show up at all. It's literally just the conversation between Peter and Mary Jane. Ooh, I did not even really realize that. Well, but that's also because the dialogue is so great, mm-hmm. you know, and I, uh, that, that issue is obviously very special. It was very, I guess I, cause I, I'm not, we're not old enough to kind of talk about as it's released because I really just wasn't reading it when it was released. And I was like, 
seven, but he really just kind of talks about, uh, like it was controversial at the time when it was released because they're like, Oh, she's not supposed to find out until, you know, 20 years down the road. And it's like, he's like, honestly, if I was a teenager, I wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. So I had to have Peter tell one person, but in that same moment, you get, I think the perfect relationship between him and Mary, you know, perfect examination of who they are to one another. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's, uh, I, I mean, I think when you, when I think about like the the hero reveals or something, it, it always just feels like so drawn out, you know. Mm-hmm. It feels like oh, he's about to tell her. Oh no, he's not going to. Like oh yeah, yeah. It, it always feels like you. It's the 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 gratification delay is so delayed that at a certain point you feel like okay, I'm over it. Just uh, we're done with this. You mm-hmm. keep teasing the same kind of na- narrative here and we've done it too much let's yeah. move on and then as soon as he tells her they're together but then they break up mm-hmm. yeah and it's just like come on but what i really liked about this was like when he told her in my head i'm reading those panels and i'm like oh it's gonna be one of those things where he doesn't actually tell her and then we're gonna tease this for a million more years and then he just like told her i was like this is great i love this <laughs> you know like we just did it we're just going for it um because i and i love that there's there's something i'm it opens the way for you to do something new, you know, like to do something else. It's like, okay, we don't need to, it's like the office or something, you know, it's like you can only tease the Jim and Pam. Are they, aren't they for so long? And then you have to say, yes, they are. And then now you can do something new with that. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know? And so I, I really appreciated that it like he did that. Like he went for it and he told her and it made me want to continue reading. Um, because that seemed like it would pave an interesting path for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I it's it's really good and you know, it's just I think it's such a good beat and like it leans into the best part of every other character within their dynamic too. Like I said, the Aunt May moments. Um mm-hmm. yeah, no, so yeah. I just really want to talk about that because that is it's a very you know, I think it's one of the better Spider-Man issues of I I, I used to try and collect this whole series. I don't anymore. I just have I have of, of pretty much the entire series there's only like three issues that i want but that was an issue that i i have i found it in the dollar bin whatever for like a dollar and i just put it in i have my collection is one of my favorites because it's just so special like yeah. and you know it nails their dynamic and i think we see that uh i got three more questions for you but they may go quick so first one favorite character who was it? Um, <laughs> I just said favorite character. That's not a question. <laughs> I mean, it is. If you ask it with the right intonations, I suppose. We've done this before. Favorite character? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? Like off the top of my head, it's, I think it's MJ for sure. Oh. Yeah. I like that MJ is m- cooler than Peter, but still not necessarily cool mm-hmm. um and i i like just the way the narration is where it's like in some ways you know it feels like mj actually has like a better head on her shoulders she like sort of gets maybe common sense or social cues a little bit better than peter um no yeah absolutely and and but she you know obviously still likes peter and then i i, I, I like that dynamic a lot you know it's mm-hmm. like she, the sort of frustrated Peter, why are you doing the things that you do? Why are you being so dumb at times? You know? Yeah. It's like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I like that. That keeps me engaged and interested. Um, and I like the, 
like kind of qualities, the redeeming qualities of MJ and like the sympathetic qualities of her being her and her family kind of being foundationally a comfort for Peter and their family, especially as they're mourning. Um, Yeah. I love that. I don't know if they've, they've leaned into that in the movies, but like MJ's mom or her aunt and Peter's aunt are like BFFs. Mm -hmm, Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's like in the comics. Like, yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. And I could even just from the little bit they gave me of like, Oh, you're going to stay at our house tonight. Yeah. When they rode up to the school after all the drama, they rode together in the same Mm -hmm. car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know, just, I mean, maybe the whole family dynamic too, but I think just the character of MJ seems like a very nice compliment to Peter as well. Cause she's, she's different, but you can also sense the similarities they have. Like they're both, you know, good at school and they both don't really care for the, you know, party scene as much or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. They're they're Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's cause they grew up together. They have, they, I like the idea that they, before this had shared history, you mm-hmm. know, which is just special. Right. Yeah, exactly. She knew uncle Ben, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that's not quite what any other people could say. And so, um, Who's it for you? No, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, honestly, Peter, I just think I, with the narration and the story and like how human he is portrayed and his, I think his, his tendencies in this whole thing, I just are, I'm so compelled by him and I love, I love, love, loved it and I thought it was so special and honestly, I just think he's such a funny character. He just makes me laugh and like you know one of the. One of the better scenes is, you know, just him. I'll, I'll frame it up for you for get ready because I'll just share mine right now. But favorite moment. Um, one of my favorite moments is when the writing where he's like, I've had something that I wanted to say to you for a long time to Kingpin. And he's like, and I just brought a list. So I just really wanted mm-hmm. to now that I have your attention. And he just does a bunch of like fat jokes to him, <laughs> which is so freaking funny like he's like oh yeah like when you back up you make a beeping noise your high school photo had to be taken from a helicopter like and then it's like because you think about it too like it's it's he doesn't have any sort of power leverage over kingpin uh you know what he does have though if he makes this guy mad he's not going to be able to focus on the fight or whatever you know he's not going to be his right mind he's just going to be reactive Mm -hmm. instead of you know proactive yep. and so i just really 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 liked that moment because it was also so freaking juvenile and that is peter you know it's mm-hmm. like that's how he is and so i really liked him that was my favorite moment i think my favorite moment honestly my favorite moment was when peter asked jana j jonah jameson for the job and he's like oh i gotta call or jonah asked him and he's like oh hey i gotta call my aunt first and he said she wants to talk to you and jonah's like rawr, rawr, you know mm. and don't ever make if you ever make me do that again i'll throw you out the window or whatever, yeah so. i was like i was like i don't know why but i because j jonah jameson is not quite like a character who could be people can't get leverage on him you know what i mean like he he takes down our superhero on a newsly daily like nightly and sunday edition basis so mm-hmm. he um d- to see him or aunt may be able to be like hey you better watch out <laughs> i was like i loved that so that was my favorite moment what was yours um i well i think they've been said already um but it it is probably a tie between those the two grieving moments oh. of the one with where he was walking home and mj's outside and they like kind of cry together and also with aunt may of the i i like the do you like me conversation thing um those moments are like i don't know just so important for a story just yeah. to like be like yeah things are bad like things are not 
okay and and also there's something like very bonding in in the grieving together process thing that that i just really enjoyed like i like those soft moments especially in something that's you know an action comic that's supposed to have all this crazy stuff going on it's like to to have a balance of that and to have the moments where things are softer sadder whatever like as much as that is somewhat difficult to read sometimes it's like oh this is tough but like i appreciate those moments a lot in the story and like those are the moments where when i get to that panel i'll pause there you know and i'll just like sit with it for a second um and so yeah yeah, no, I, I just think that this is very special because it's a story and, and it's arcs that they get to take their time with these characters. And mm-hmm. like when you kind of just lean into some of the humanity and whatever it be, it's just like it, it makes it more special and more real and, you know, more authentic in general. Um, OK, and then actually I we didn't even talk about two more questions. You know what the last one is. But before that how'd you feel about the art? Because Mark Bagley, in my opinion, is the greatest Spider-Man artist ever. He is, I'd say he's done more Spider-Man art than anyone else on the character. Uh, he's, he has a generation, he's probably, he's probably been drawing Spider-Man for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, at yeah. least now I think I about mean, it. I definitely, I mean, I really enjoyed the art. Um, there were, I think at times, I mean, maybe this is just me being like a novice comic reader or something, but at times I found the action a little confusing. Yeah. Like I would read and be like, okay, I, I know something's blowing up here, but. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what um, I what I did really like in the art was maybe more of just like the more mundane thing when more mundane things are happening, like dialogue, like especially like the MJ Peter facial expressions in dialogue or like even like the Aunt May, Uncle Ben, mm-hmm. just like the, when they're like kind of turning to each other when Peter's off screen or whatever and just saying like. Oh, he's such a special kid. Like, I don't know, just like the art that surrounded that matched so well. Um, So that was like maybe the thing that stood out to me the most when I was reading. Yeah, I just think I'd be remiss if I did not mention him. And to the point where like I actually last year, like 2020, got to meet him and I got a sketch. I paid like a hundred bucks for a he said I'd sketch any character you want. And I said, oh, please just sketch Ultimate Spider-Man for me. And so I got that. And that was one of my favorite moments ever. I told him that I cried at the issue six and he made fun of me and I have that memory to cherish forever now. So that's awesome. He said, you're such a freaking nerd. And I said, thank you. (laughs) I was like, I love you. (laughs) But no, that's actually not how that happened. But I did tell him I cried and he did make fun of me. But, um, yeah, no. So I just think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that because like this guy, he created carnage, you know, he did like crazy Spider-Man character runs that have like lasted. Like, I think his venom is, one of the better renditions and that people really draw a lot of influence off of. Um, he's still doing really, really, really great work for Marvel. So he's still drawing Spider-Man. He's still on the main Spider-Man title. So oh, wow. not that he's always been, but like if they, if they ever need a backup, he's the, he's the dude. So I just needed to mention that. Um, okay. Russell last question. What would you rate this story out of 10? And even, even without knowing that there's more going on, we're, we're just talking about this volume. You know, I need to like keep in my notes, my past ratings, because like, no. I don't remember. And I, <laughs> I want to think about my ratings in context of other things yeah. I've read. Everyone here already knows my rating for this. Uh, I don't know your rating. Oh, well, can you, I'm gonna let you guess my uh, rating. Honestly, Cam, I feel like you throw out tens. This is a 10, baby. Yeah. <laughs> throw <laughs> you out, throw them out there. <laughs> you know what? It's my podcast, and I, I assign the reading, and guess what? I'm reading st- things I like. It's very few and far between that I give like a 
not good rating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd give it, I'd give it like a. Let's see, what did I give Saga, man? Nothing can be. Did I? You know, retroactively, you Saga is a ten right now. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. Just so I can feel better or about you, everything. Or you else. did like a nine point two or something. Like it was something super high. What retroactively? It's because I think I wanted. You wanted to read more comics. Well, and I wanted Y to have like a special place, I think. And that can still um, be a 10 too. That's the best part about the rating scale. Oh, yeah. Okay. The well, this is... Okay. So just not even taking into account the other stuff. This yeah. is probably like a uh, like a 9.2 I, I, for me. I'd honestly give it a 10.5 out of 10. I just freaking love this story. I, <laughs> yeah. It was... It's... I mean, I... The one thing that like holds me back is... It's like, I feel like I don't have enough. I want to read more, you know? Oh, like, yeah. If you I, wanted to do a series on this, and I mean just like 10 issues, if you get the next volume of this and you wanted to keep going, man, like I would gladly, because this, again, re, re, re-readability re in the series, amazing. And like they interact with other characters in the Marvel Universe, which makes it so special. So if you ever want to do that, I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, it does, like it leaves me, That that's why it's like, I don't have enough satisfaction to like give it a 10, you know, it's like I have these characters that are still just out there in the world and I don't have any conclusion for them. Like what, where's green goblin? What's going on? Doc Ock, you know, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And especially too, like there's, there's some really funny arcs that happen in this. Like we could talk about, uh, and this isn't a spoiler by any means, but there's a whole series. Like, I think it's an issue where it's, he's fighting Doc Ock at some point, maybe down the road, obviously, but he's, but he's fighting Doc Ock at the same time that they are filming the freaking Spider-Man Tobey Maguire movie because that was like releasing simultaneously. And so he's like, what the heck? You guys really messed up my story. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny. He like sees Tobey Maguire, like another guy in a Spider-Man costume. And like, you know, they they, pretty much the villains mix him up. It's so funny, but it's like so concise and well-written too. It's like, that's, here's a spoiler for an arc that I love, but... But again, the readability and like the consistency, man, like in the series, like, I don't know if you really know Gwen Stacy, they do some great Gwen Stacy stuff where they tweak her arc. You know what I mean? There's, oh yeah, I would never know if they're tweaking Gwen Stacy's arc, but you know what? I'm here for it. I'm down to read it and think this is just the normal arc. As <laughs> long as we can just get to the clone saga arc, because you want to talk about things that make me cry. I think that's goat. But yeah, Russell, I'm so glad we got you into like a bread and butter, like, superhero book now because mm-hmm. i'm all, I'm also like man this wasn't a hard read you know what i mean mm-hmm. not, yeah not no. that they ever are but like right. some you kind of got like, posture yourself to read this is just i remember i was rereading it for the hundredth time and i was like this is the most pleasant thing like i'm like oh man i know these characters i love this dialogue mm-hmm. it's good yeah 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 all righty russ well thank you so much for coming on the show we it sounds like we're gonna have you back sooner rather than later so it will not be three months before us coming back on the podcast so thank you russ oh remember to go follow us on instagram twitter and youtube if you are listening to us on youtube make sure to like and subscribe and clobber that like button um yeah so oh and leave us a rating on itunes a rating interview so thanks guys we will see you later